Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Good morning, everyone. Wow, another Sunday's here, and I was listening to Dr. Hagen yesterday, and he said, my goodness, usually the weeks fly by like seconds, and yet this has been a very long month. This is our fourth Sunday online, and we're believing and have been believing that this is coming to an end very soon, and I trust that you're believing that with me. You know, I got to thinking, what, what, what would it be like if literally this is how the Christian life was like in America, that we literally could not gather together? Uh, I'm telling you right now, we absolutely can see the void that is in all of us when we can't gather together, love one another, pray together, believe God's word together. It's, it's just, a, it's really a, quite an empty feeling. And I hope that you're really taking this in, especially if you haven't really been as faithful as you know you should be to the local church. Because I tell you right now, it's, uh, it's the place that God designated uh, for us. And it's something how Jesus himself was raised in the synagogue. I don't believe he probably missed a, a day uh, or a Sabbath day in the synagogue as he grew up and prepared for ministry. And then, of course, he would have stayed there. He would have stayed in the synagogue for, for the three and a half years of his ministry, but they drove him out, of course, uh, uh, out of that environment. And, uh, but he's here today. Pastor Vicki and I, together, we welcome you. And if you are part of the membership of Faith Family, thank you for joining us today. We hope that everybody joins us on the online. And if you're actually, uh, hey, you just happen to stumble onto this uh, church service, we hope that you'll stay right where you're at. And because I have a message that is going to inspire you and challenge you in your Christian life. So thank you. It's an honor to have you with us this morning. We're going to receive the offering at this time. And of course, you know, it's very uh, simple in the sense it doesn't take very long because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're there in your living room. And I hope that you have been making your house a sanctuary for God. Meaning what? At this time, uh, don't be doing dishes, don't be vacuuming, you know, don't be watching TV, you know, of someone else. You stay focused on this church service because it is going to benefit your life and, and help you grow in grace and truth. But as far as the offering, uh, it, on, on the screen is the three ways to which you can give. And, and I'm really blessed when you give online, but yet I'm blessed when I get the mail in the mornings and I see uh, envelopes coming in, uh, letters coming in with offerings. Thank you for your faithfulness. There's a scripture in Mark, the 12th chapter, I want to read to you this morning. It says, in the course of his teaching, Jesus said, beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and to get greetings in the marketplaces or the public forums. He said, beware of them. And have the front seats in the synagogues and the chief couches or the places of honor at feasts. Now watch this. Here's what Jesus said. Who devour widows' houses to cover it up and, and cover it up with long prayers. They will receive the heavier sentence of condemnation. And he sat down, the Bible says, opposite of the treasury... And he was watching how the crowd was casting in their treasury. And it says, many rich people were throwing in large sums of money. Now, hey, praise God for that. I mean, it takes a lot of uh, financial support to, uh, to make a ministry uh, maximize its effort in a community or right here locally. And uh, he goes on and says this, but, um, but a widow, watch this, 
who was poverty stricken came and he put and she put in two copper mites. And I, I read that here a while ago, and I have no idea if this is true, but it did quicken my heart. Is it possible that these two mites represented both her tithe and her offering? Because the Bible says to bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. And the Bible goes on and says it was the smallest of coins, which actually together made up a half a cent. And he called his disciples to him. Now watch this. He focused, he said, come on guys, I'm going to tell you something. And he calls his disciples to him and said to them, truly and surely I tell you that this widow, she who is poverty stricken, has put in more than all these contributing to the treasury. For they all threw in out of their abundance. But the Bible says she out of her deep poverty has put in everything that she had, even all she had on which to live. She came to a point in her life where instead of eating her seed, she planted it. She believed that Jesus would bless it. She believed that the thing to honor God with, part of her life, was her giving. She didn't have a lot, but she gave everything that she had. And though the story goes on, it doesn't say anything more about this widow woman, but I believe with all my heart, because of what the scriptures say, I believe that she lived the rest of her life with total divine provision, just from that one act of humility and trust in God. So you, you're hopefully not in that position today. So you get to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. You bring them in with thanksgiving. You bring them in knowing, listen, this is so important, knowing that the hands, the hands that, that God has gifted you to make finances, the giftings inside of you, whether it's in sales or whether it's working with your hands, God has been the one that gifted you with these with these giftings, so you make sure that you give him the praise, the honor, and glory. And guess what he'll do? He'll bless that. And the Bible says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And then he went on to say he would rebuke the devourer for your sake. He'll make sure. I mean, we believed for this. We tithed when we were in the, uh, when we were in the secular business for nine years. We tithed faithfully every week. I'm telling you, our trucks ran good. The tires didn't wear out. I mean, God blessed our equipment, praise God, and he'll do the same for you if you'll trust him with everything about your life. So today, it's also Big Payoff Sunday. And, uh, you know, we've been working at this uh, uh, construction note for uh, the past few years, and we've, we've gone from just about under $4 million to 680000 That's all we have left to pay. And so I just want to encourage every one of you, if you'll sow a seed into that, send it in. You know, and I really do believe this is true, that a congregation, even our size, it's amazing the, what we can do in this community and in the nations with this, with this size of church. But it's all because of faithfulness on your part, that you trust God with your finances. And when it comes to the paying off the building, I do believe with all my heart it's God's will that this church be completely paid off. But it's at the same time, God will not forget about you. He will make sure that the debts that you have incurred in your life will also be taken care of. I believe that with all my heart. You put his house first, he'll take care of your house as well. He's faithful to that. And uh, years ago, we were raising money for the construction. And the phrase that's quite popular, people use it to raise money, it is not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And it really is. So, so your, your part matters. 
no matter how big or small it is, it matters. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. So I encourage you today, trust God with your money. Give into the kingdom. And the Bible says that he will, in return, pour you out a great blessing. So I want you to expect it today. And thank you for giving. I want to pray over your offering. Father, I just praise you right now, God, that we have the courage and the faith to obey your word. And so, God, we don't give today grudgingly or necessity. We give cheerfully. We give because we, our faith and our hope is in you. Everything about our lives, everything that we have that is good has come from you. So, God, I'm asking you to pour out your blessings upon your people. God, even as the nation is shut down, God, I believe that all my heart we can still prosper. And God of heaven, thank you for that. We receive your blessings upon our lives by faith, and we give you praise for it. Now, everyone as a family, just lift your hands right now and give him praise for God's giftings and talents. Give him praise for his provision. Give him praise that you're coming out of debt. Give him praise that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides for you. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I hope that you all enjoyed the, uh, the ham that we... Uh, uh, we had a great time. Pastor Vicky came to me here uh, a couple weeks ago and said, I just really feel in my heart we should bless the congregation uh, with a ham. So I hope that you enjoyed it. We sure enjoyed ours. Got plenty left over. That's God. God is more than enough. And um, if you haven't picked yours up, it's here waiting for you. Make sure that you call the offices and do that this week. That would be great for you to get that into your home. Amen. Well, I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to James the first chapter, the book of James. And I was praying, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm praying, it's, I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to take? And he began to speak to me on the subject I'm about to teach on, and it's called Faith and Patience, or Patience and Faith, They're the Power Twins. In the book of James, the first chapter, James writes about, and he addresses the subject of patience and how it benefits one's life. And he goes on and says, My brethren, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, uh, divers temptations, knowing this. Now, you're not going to count it all joy unless you know this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. Or let patience come to full fruition, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. So James here is writing. He's the half-brother of Jesus, by the way, one of his disciples. And he's writing to the church about the challenges they were having in their lives at that time. And he said, I want you to count it all joy, guys and girls, when you fall into diverse temptations, challenges, difficulties in life, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, the word patience in the Greek, it means cheerful or hopeful endurance. It means constancy. It means continuance waiting. and Not waiting, just hanging on by, oh, I'm just hanging on, barely getting, no. It's waiting with expectation. Uh, uh, it reminded me of what Jesus told to the disciples in John uh, chapter 8, verse 31. He said to those disciples that believed in him, or the Jews that believed on him. He says, if you continue, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue, there's the key. You got to continue in being schooled in the word of God so that it doesn't leak out of your life and you forget what God has promised you in his word. Impatience is something that most Americans struggle with, and I believe there's a reason for that. 
And today we live in a world of instant gratification. <clears throat> and, and really, in, in, in many ways, it's been a, a, a great blessing and a, and, a, and a benefit for our lives. But we have instant coffee, instant potatoes, instant heat from the microwaves. We have instant technology, and we have instant credit. Then once we become born-again believers, what happens is that uh, we get tripped up, tripped up in the fact that we're used to instant gratification, and therefore we assume that <clears throat> we can get instant prayer, that prayers are answered instantly, that we get instant miracles, or we get instant breakthroughs. But God, heaven is not on our timetable, which you probably have already realized, in that when God says that you need to walk by faith, it, it, he didn't, he didn't, you can't give him a time uh, frame on that. You have to just trust God every, each and every day of your life. Amen. Heaven doesn't operate on our timetable. And, uh, but the good news is God does answer prayer. And sometimes it is instant. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've had it in my life. And especially when you're younger, as a younger Christian, it's amazing how God will instantly answer a prayer for you because he wants you to know that you can trust in him, that you can take him at his word. But then as you grow, then you have a responsibility to grow up. I always tell people, what is, the, uh, what is the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian? A mature Christian simply accepts responsibility for what God has taught him in the Word of God. We love to learn, but every time we learn something, that's for a reason. It's th- that a test is coming your way, and, and God wants you to pass that test. And to do that, you're going to have to be doers of His Word and not just hearers. Amen. So God answers prayer. But, but... More often than not, answered prayer comes in a process of time, amen, over a period of time, which is why faith and patience must, is required of every believer if he's going to see his faith come to fruition. Faith and patience uh, is, is, um, is necessary. As a nation, we've been cooped up in our homes now for over a month, and um, and because we're not used to this family unit being together under one roof uh, for this length of time, uh, even on news it says it has created for many an atmosphere of tension, uh, contention, and dissension, where both our faith walk and our love walk is being put to the test. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, they said it in the news. There's, I mean, it's, people are in, de- getting depressed. And that's not for you, by the way, as a believer. Amen. But just the fact that we're together, which uh, that's supposed to be the way it is. We're supposed to be a complete family unit together, spending our time together, loving together, praying together, uh, working together, serving together. And, of course, now today, people, family, if there's six, six in the family, they're going six different directions. And, uh, and so they're not used to being under one roof for this length of time. And the Bible says, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the Bible says faith works and is energized by love, to preserve and reap the benefits of both of them, then the God kind of patience is going to be required of us. That, that hopeful endurance, that constancy, you stay with God no matter what. And there's so many wonderful examples which we'll look, like, look at in the Bible um, uh, of people that practiced patience in their lives. James 1, verse 2 of the Amplified. Now consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving or the testing of your faith brings out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. But let endurance, steadfastness, and patience have full play 
or do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed, watch this, with no defects lacking in nothing. When I read that, I thought, where are the defects that, that, that God is, is trying to correct in our lives? It's the defects in our character. You know, anytime um, there's a defective part in a piece of equipment that hinders it from operating at its full capacity, a recall is given, or a recall is required. Amen. And when we have character flaws in our lives that are hindering us from reaching our full potential of Christ-likeness, God is going to do everything he can by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit to correct those defects so that we can be Christ-like or, or God-like in an ungodly world. And for him to succeed, listen, all three of these spiritual forces must be active. Faith, faith, patience, and love. All three of them have to be together. And what a perfect time it is right now while we're under, all under one roof to be practicing the three of these. James 1, back to, this is the message translation, I love this. Now consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges, I love that, come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. When I read that, it reminded me of what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6. He said, let us, it means you could, but don't. Let us, the Bible says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. Watch this. For in due time, and the appointed time, or the, the due time at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen or relax our courage and faint and retreat back to carnality. That's what he's saying right there. Man, he, he, he's, he's letting us know that we just talked about it yesterday. Uh, a young man and I talked for a little bit yesterday, and I said, our greatest enemy is not the devil. Our greatest enemy is this Adamic nature. And I'll just tell you this right now. Patience is not... In the, uh, not in the DNA of your Adamic nature. Patience isn't there. That's why you have to yield to the Spirit and what's going on on the inside. Amen. When it comes to redemption, God, the Bible says, patiently uh, endured the sinful behavior of humanity while the Holy Ghost brooded over the prophetic promises to bring salvation to full term. And, and it took, took 4,000 years to do that. And now 6,000 years later, his patient endurance, we've been benefactors of it. We received salvation because God was very long-suffering and enduring, and I'm so grateful for that. Hebrews 11. <clears throat> this is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter, and it records both men and women who through hopeful endurance and continuance fulfilled God's will. Let's read Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, it really, I mean, that's true in every area of life. But the thing that we have to always remember, we are, like the Israelites, we are journeying through this land. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And so it takes the spiritual force of faith, walking with God, trusting him each day for us to attain to all that he's promised in his word, especially that we've run our race and finished it. So when the trumpet sounds and the church departs, we will have been found faithful to the Lord. Amen. 
Faith is the substance of things sold for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I love verse 2. It says, it says that by faith, the elders obtained a good report. That word obtained simply means witnessed. They witnessed a good report. Hallelujah. It manifested in their lives. And, and Why? Because of the force of faith that they held uh, in their hearts. Faith is trusting God for what he's established and uh, promised in his word. Faith holds on to these promises no matter what people are saying, no matter what circumstances are saying, and no matter what, no, no matter what your mind or your senses are telling you. Faith and patience in action embraces God's word until it comes to pass, no matter how difficult and no matter how impossible. Because the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible. Believe what? What he's promised in his word. Amen. So let's look at some examples this morning and <clears throat> talking about patience. First one, of course, I thought about was Noah. Noah, the Bible says, um, God came to him one day, and the Bible says that he was, at that time in history, he was the only righteous man in the earth. And uh, God came to him, instructed him, told him that there's going to be a massive flood, and that he's to prepare an ark for the saving of his household. Amen. If, if, if Noah would have known the magnitude of his assignment, he may not have ever started. Why? Because that assignment spanned over a 120-year period. In other words, 120 years is the lifespan of man. So what, what that tells me, which is good news, God is so wonderful, he will work with us for the lifespan of our lives, praise God, to get his nature developed in his attributes and his characteristics developed in us. Just don't quit. Just don't retreat back to the world. Don't retreat back to the flesh. You stay faithful to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so Noah, uh, number two, he, he, remember now, he's building an ark, listen, and it had one drop of rain had never fallen from the sky. You'll find that in the book of Genesis. I'll give you the scripture, chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. The earth was watered from beneath. So no rain had ever happened. I mean, there was no rain that ever fell from the sky. And yet he believed God when God told him to build an ark for the saving of his house. And here's what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 7. Now, prompted by faith. Do you remember now how faith comes? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when God came to him and says, I want you to build an ark for the saving of your household because judgment's coming upon the earth. And it, now if you'll believe me, I will preserve you, protect you, and I will deliver you. And that's exactly what happened. He believed God. So prompted by faith, even though there's no evidence. Noah, be, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, he took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. And by this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief. Okay? And became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relationship of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. So Noah was a, a beautiful example of faith and patience in action. He really trusted God that what God had told him. I mean, if you read the story, you'll find out that he was mocked. He was ridiculed. Uh, they thought he was a nutcase because it had never rained. And I'm sure they asked him, hey, hey, why are you building this ark? And he goes, well, because it's going to rain. What? It has never rained? Are you a loony? And so, see, he trusted the word of God above the, um, the words of men. And, of course, he, was, he and his family, only eight of them, were delivered from that realm of judgment. And so, listen. 
It is our spiritual assignment, even to this day, to build an ark to the saving of our families. It really is. You build your men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and, and, and um, mothers. You build your relationship with the Lord. And you exemplify faith in God. You exemplify patience in God. And guess what? Your children will observe that. Listen, things are out of whack. The world, listen, the world is going to change constantly. I mean, up one day, down the next. Up one day, down the next. But God's word never changes. So don't take your children on a roller coaster ride of doubt, fear, and unbelief. You stay true to the word of God. No matter what the world is saying, uh, this epidemic is not going to touch your house or affect you. You've got to have faith in God. Oh, I'm glad one of these days, because we've been praying for it, for a vaccine. Why? Because the world around us is dying. And we don't want people to die without receiving Christ in their lives. But as far as you, because you're not of this world, you, you can stay in faith and be free and isolated from all that's going on around you. Amen. Number two, Abraham. Let's talk about Abraham for a moment. We'll probably spend most of our time here. In, uh, uh, talking about him, this, un, this awesome man of patience. So, Genesis 12, let's read this. God said to him, Abraham, or Abram was his name, first of all. He changed it later to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation. I will. God said, I will. So you can't make it happen. Let God make it happen. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. Oh, that's good. Abundant increase of favors. And make your name famous and distinguished. And, uh, of course, some 5,000 years later, we're still talking about Abraham. So, obviously, God fulfilled that. Made his name great. Amen. Famous and distinguished. Hallelujah. And you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you. And I'll curse him who curses or uses insolent language toward you. In you will all the families and kindreds of the earth be blessed. And by you they will bless themselves. That's why I'm so grateful. And you can say what you want. Some people believe in replacement theology. You know that God's covenant isn't with the nation of Israel. But it is. And you want to stay stupid? Go ahead. But I want to bless Israel so that I can be blessed. I'm going to bless and pray for the Jewish, Jewish people who are my brothers and sisters, even though they're not born again right now. God's covenant is with them. And the Bible says it was a covenant forever. Not till just Jesus came, but a covenant forever. That's why I'm so grateful for our president. He loves the nation of Israel. Praise God. He moved the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. All presidents before him, many of them promised it, but didn't have the courage, guts to do it, but he did. That's why God is blessing him. And if you talk against him, be careful. I'll leave it that there. Let's go on. And so, this promise came to Abraham at the age of 75 years old. However, unbeknownst to him, listen, both faith and patience on his part would be required for 25 years. He didn't know that. He thought, oh, glory to God. In fact, you know, you know the story. He, 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 um, Sarah was, uh, uh, she was barren, couldn't have children. I mean, ever. She was barren from a child on the way up, couldn't have children. And, and Abraham's running out of time. I mean, he's 75. I mean, he's still able to produce uh, seeds. So he's trying, you know, trying to figure this out. So what do they do? Ten years later, at 85 years old, Sarah says, hey, I got a good idea. It wasn't a God idea, but it was a good idea. 
You take Hagar, an Egyptian slave, and you give me a son. And I mean, that son wasn't barely out of Hagar's womb, and there was contention in the relationship. Why? Because you cannot birth the spiritual promises of God's word out of human effort. You've got to trust God. What came was an Ishmael. And I've preached this many years. How many Ishmaels have we had in our lives because we got impatient and we tried to things, make things happen without God's leadership? And, it caused, and I've had so many of them, I could tell you story after story, but I don't want to depress you. I just want to know that I have learned some things through the years. I don't want any more Ishmaels in my life. I want Isaacs, hallelujah, covenant blessings that God birthed into our hearts. And then we believed for them and they came to pass without burden, without heaviness, without any weight. Praise God. On our shoulders. Thank you, Lord. So 25 years it would require. And every year that went by, listen, every year that went by, in the natural, the promise was getting farther away from him, not closer to him. 75, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. But God's word, it cannot fail. It can't. So you can trust his word. You can, I mean, you can trust it because he's true to his word. He, Jesus said, hey, you think the word of God isn't solid? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Praise God. That's why people came to him. I mean, everything he said, uh, he did. Everything he said was fulfilled so that, my goodness, if God healed one, he'll heal me. If God set that person free, he'll set me free. Amen. God is true to his word. So he remained faithful and faith-filled, letting patience have its perfect work. And finally, at the age of 99 years old, when every earthly and physical um, option was gone, then God honored Abraham's faith and patience and brought the impossible to pass, giving him Isaac, of course. Isaac is the lineage through which our Savior came. Let's go on here. Hebrews 6. I'm having a good time. <laughs> it's so quiet in here. I wish somebody would holler hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Holler at home so I can hear it. Praise God. Hebrews 6, verse 13. For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself since he had no one greater by whom to swear. And he said, here's the promise. He said, blessing, I certainly will bless you. And multiplying, I certainly will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, waited long and endured patiently, 25 years, realized and obtained the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come, which was salvation through Christ, what God had promised him. And I said earlier, I'll say it again because I've written here, the fruit of patience isn't in your Adamic DNA. Back to James, praise God. We're, we're going to widen this down, but I'm so excited. James, first, uh, the Living Bible, verse 2 says this. Now, dear brothers, it is your life, or sisters, it is your life full of difficult, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. That is so contrary to human nature. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow, and don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything. I like this part, strong in character, full and complete. It means, means you will be carrying the character of God. And that's what the Christian life should be all about. 
Verse 5, this is the New Living Translation. If you need wisdom concerning, you know, concerning the trials or difficulties you're facing, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Not might. Oh, oh no, maybe I don't deserve it. No, he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't have backup plan B and C. Amen. Oh, I think I'll try to get brother or sister, you know, tell them so we can get their help. And, some, and that's a blessing if people help you. That's awesome. But let God know your concerns. Let God alone know what you're dealing with. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. Divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. God will give you spiritual insight needed for whatever you're facing, but then it's in your court to embrace it until it comes to fruition, and you do it with your faith. Hebrews 10, I'll just read two verses here, and then... um, Hebrews 10, verse 35 says this. Cast not away, your conf- therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God. What is the will of God? It's believing what he says in his word. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So patience is crucial when it comes to standing on God's word and allowing allowing it to have its full course in your life. Again, that word patience. I wanted to give you the, the, uh, the, the, it, the, the Greek word is hupomino. Hupomino, that's what it is. It means cheerful or hopeful endurance, continuous waiting. But the word mino, that the root word mino, means to stay under, remain, to undergo, bear trials, hmm, have fortitude, persevere, abide, and endure. I've told people through the years, and it really is true, life is not fair, but God is faithful. Just remember that. Life isn't fair, but God is faithful. If you don't, if you don't understand that, you'll get so disappointed, and you'll even become uh, cynical. You become hard-hearted. You become judgmental when things don't happen or people disappoint you. God will never disappoint you. That's why you keep your faith and your hope in him. God is faithful and faithful to his word. Our part is to believe and embrace it, and God's part is to bring the impossible to fruition. Brother Hagin said years ago, if you're willing to wait forever, it won't take so long. (laughs) That's so good. Now let's read a little bit more about Abraham, and we'll close. Romans 4, verse 18. It gives us a more colored picture uh, of how he responded in this impossible situation. It's the Amplified. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations. Now listen, he didn't get that on his own. In other words, okay, you know, I'm going to believe God because I want to become a father. No, 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 this was God's plan, okay? He said, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. Here it is. This is in Genesis 15, 5 and in Genesis 26, 4. So numberless shall your... uh, shall your descendants be. So that's what he hung on to, okay? He did not weaken in faith. I love this part. When he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was good as dead because he was about 100 years old, nor 
Did he weaken in faith when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead womb? No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong. He grew strong. He didn't say, see, the father, he got away from the promise in the natural. It didn't say he grew weaker. He grew stronger. He, I, I don't care, if, you know, I don't care if my promise is 10 years away. I'm going to grow stronger until he gets here. Because you can't put limitations on God. You just trust him. He had no idea he was going to have to wait this long. He thought this was going to be a, a, this was going to be a breeze. So the Bible says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave, as he gave praise and glory to God. Oh, God, I give you praise. I give you praise that you're my provider. I give you praise you're my healer. I give you praise you're my strength. I give you praise you're my peace. I give you praise you're my protector. You, you just give him praise for everything. I give you praise that you're my light and my salvation, my refuge, my fortress, my rock in whom I trust. You give him praise for who he is, not what you're going through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. Now he's addressing the church here. Okay? Now Paul is addressing the church and you know, how they've labored and how they've committed themselves to, you know, to God. And so he's, he's telling them, hey, there's, I want you to know that God, God does not pass over anything you do. He doesn't overlook the good things that you do for him. How you've worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Now, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you, will become, then you won't become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance or their patience. The Message Bible, verse 13, that was verse 10 through 12. Now, verse 13 of the Message Bible, this is where we're going to wind up here. When God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on line. Now, he said, this is what he said to Abraham. I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Whoo! Glory to God. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out. Abraham says, I'm going to stick it out. I'm convinced that no matter how difficult it is, God's going to bring it to pass. I'm convinced. He stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there's any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back it up. God could not retreat on what he promised. Yes, Abraham had to believe. Yes, Abraham had to be patient. But God had to do the impossible, and he did. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. Woo! God can't break his word. Say it. Say it out loud. God can't break his word. Hallelujah. He can't. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Amen. Whatever he's promised in his word, it's unchangeable. Now, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spell. Oh, I'm glad Abraham didn't let go. I'm glad he stuck it out and got everything. Hallelujah. Because it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God, of the power of the Spirit. The resurrection of life flowed into his body and into her body so that the impossible became possible. And that is redemption for every man, woman, and child. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. That is so good. 
Hallelujah. Let's go on. God can't break his word. Amen. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. What is his promise? Reaching past all the appearances right into the very presence of God. Watch this. For Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. You know what Melchizedek's ministry was? I'm just telling you really quick. I can't preach on him. His ministry was twofold. It was to receive the tithe and confer the blessing. Receive the tithe and confer the blessing. I'm telling you, brought your tithes this morning to the storehouse. Just lift your hands and receive the blessing from our high priest Jesus. Hallelujah. He will bless you as he's promised in his word. Listen, patience is a fruit, a divine characteristic of the Holy Spirit. You'll find that in Galatians 5.22. What does that mean? Because it's a fruit, you cannot petition God for it. You cannot pray and ask God for patience. Patience can only manifest in your life as you seed it or you sow it. It's a seed. When you sow it, you'll have more back into your life. You've got to sow it, keep practicing it in your life, especially around people. We become very impatient with people. Maybe it's our wives, our husbands, our, you know, our children become impatient. God wants you to be patient. He wants you to sow it. Amen. And the more you sow it, the more you'll have when you need it in your life. Amen. Thank you, God. Last two scriptures in James. James 3. You know that under pressure, your life... Faith life is forced into the open. We read that early, but I, I wanted to show that. Show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Hmm. Thank you, Father. James 1, verse 19. Understand this. My beloved brethren, this is, this is it, my last verse. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, Slow to speak and slow to take offense and to get angry. Isn't that something? That God gave you two ears but only one mouth. Thank God we don't have one ear and two mouths. You talk about a chaotic mess. He says, make sure that you are a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and to get angry. For a man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So get rid of, see that's your part. Get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls, renew your mind, and deliver you. See, when you get your mind renewed, then your hope will be restored, and then you'll have the patience to stand on God's word. All right, let's finish this. But be... Doers of the word, obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. What does that mean? Deception is it's a powerful force. You know why? Because when you're deceived, you don't know who you are. But here's deception. You, you, you consistently disobey the word of God and then wonder why he's not blessing your life. I just can't believe it. I can't believe that God blesses everyone but me. There's a problem in innate with everyone else around you. So, if anyone listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror, for he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he is like. 
But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking to it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing. He shall be blessed in his life of obedience. So when you look into the mirror, what do you see? wrote a song years ago called Spirit Man is What You Are, Man You Cannot See. For we were made in the image of our Father God who is a spirit like you and me. So we walk by faith and not by sight. His word we choose to believe. When our faith gives substance of things hoped for, supernaturally we will receive. Actually, the first verse is, as you look in the mirror each and every day, what do you see? Is one who always fails in life, nothing seems to work out for me? Well, I'd like, if you would, to go back to the mirror and look again. For the man that you see in the mirror, my friend, is not the one that was born again. This Adamic nature will always cause you trouble. That's why you grow on the inside. You look into the mirror of God's word. What does it do? It begins to reflect back, reflect back into your life the image of God, the character of God, the love of God, the faith of God, and the patience of God. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you in regards to what you're believing God for. And I realize that. I said it last week. Some of you have, have lost your you know, job or, or maybe it's temporary. But even if it's permanently, God has a better job for you. He opened another door for you. I've got men and women in our church that can testify of that. That, uh, that one door closed and I thought, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God had another door open. So you trust God for that. And I'll pray for you regarding that. Some of you have been believing God for healing. Let's mix our faith today for the manifestation of your healing. Let's, let's believe to, today for that, for that um, anointing to touch your body. Amen. Whatever you believe in God for. I want to mix my faith with you today. If it's finances, you've been a tither, God has to honor his word. He has to. He's not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, will he not do it? Hath he spoken, and will he not bring it to pass? Of course he will. Your part is to believe. You know, I mean, believing isn't for the possible, it's for the impossible. Okay? Let me pray with you. Father, I just pray right now. Just lift your hands in your homes and just begin to worship. You're creator because he's the one who answers prayer. Father, as we just lift you high today and thank you for this awesome message. Thank you for inspiring us to be patient, to exercise patience in our lives so that, God, our faith can come to fruition. Father, I pray right now for those that are believing for breakthroughs in their lives. Those that are believing, God, for healing in their bodies. I pray right now for healing to flow. Just receive it by faith. Those, God, that are believing for um, uh, job opportunities, God, we're asking you right now to open doors for them. And I pray to you as they move their feet, it'll come to pass in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. We're not in fear. We're in faith. Father, I pray for those that need deliverance right now from addictions. I break the power of that spirit over their lives in the name of Jesus. And I command you to loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. I break that power of addiction over their lives. Now, you receive that by faith. Praise God. And God will honor his word in your life. Father, thank you. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that's not part of our church that just tuned in, that you will richly bless them with your presence, with your power, with your provision. And Father, we thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for that now in Jesus' name. And Lord, by faith, we roll the cares of our relationships, the cares of our family into your hands, trusting you with every aspect of our lives. And one more thing, Father, we pray over all the doctors and nurses that are uh, right in the midst of this uh, epidemic, dealing with people. We pray for your divine protection upon them and deliverance in Jesus' precious name. 
especially, Father, our, our medical men and women here at Faith Family Church. Thank you. Come on, everybody give him praise for that. Thank you, Father. Now, would you all pray for me? I have one minute left. Would you pray for our president? And I mean this. I'm telling you, he is, I, I, again, I, I was watching him on TV. And he looks just weary. I mean, this has, been, uh, this has been extremely taxing on him because he loves our nation. He understands. He's a businessman. He understands the whole flow of how a nation should operate. So let's pray for him that God will give him wisdom and courage that he's not controlled by the voices around him that have ulterior motives. Let's pray for him. Father, we just lift up the president to you right now. And God, we just by faith, because there's no distance in the realm of the spirit, we lay our hands on him. And Father, we just pray for your divine strength, God. Divine strength to be imparted to his spirit, his soul, and his body today. Precious Father, we ask you to give him wisdom. That God, in the middle of the night, he will hear from you, knowing what direction to take for the nation. And Father, I thank you that he will not hear the voice of strangers, but the voice of your spirit. And Father, we thank you for refreshing him and his precious family today. And, le- and thank you for blessing the leadership that stand by his side. And we give you praise. We trust you, God, for our church doors to be open any day. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everyone said amen and amen. Pastor Vicki and I love you all very much. We cannot wait to get back to church and hug each, especially our precious children. We miss them so much. You stay in faith. Expect the supernatural this week. And we'll see you Wednesday night online. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.